It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Uh, Let's go in the lab. Welcome one, welcome all to In the Lab with Drew Doherty and John Harris, your humble and faithful servants, in going off the grid and getting down deep into things Houston Texans, football, maybe even life sometimes. John, how are you, buddy? Doing well, man. Well, Doing well. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad you're well. I hope all of you are well. And last night, I think the last Texan on the list was named for the NFL Top 100. It was DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. He clocks in at number 13, right? He clocks in at number 13, and now they are down to 10. And those 10, and I don't know what order this will be, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, Drew Brees, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, which is an interesting name to bring up, Le'Veon Bell, Vaughn Miller. DeAndre came in at 13, so congratulations to him. It's his highest ranking. 2016, he was 19. That was his first year on the countdown, and then DeAndre comes in at 13 this year. Last year, he was 103. They always, at the final episodes, they show the guys that just missed the countdown and he was at 103 last year, so thanks a lot, Brock Osweiler. 90 spots. <laughs> okay, it. so today what we're going to do is we're going to go through the entire list of Texans who have been in the top 100, and we're going to go through and each give our favorite highlight of that season, our favorite moment, favorite memory of that season. But we're going to do it in 20 seconds or less. It's going to be a quick hit. But as you know, there's a lot of names to go through because this thing started back in 2011. But before we do... Remember, you can listen to us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or HoustonTexans.com or the Texans mobile app. But if you listen to us on iTunes, please go leave us a rating. Go leave some comments even because we want to get better. It helps us out. We want you to love us, but most of all, we want you to listen. But let's get back to the conversation, John. Let's go in the lab and dissect things. In 2011, NFL Network started doing this NFL Top 100, and, you know, it coincided with the lockout. They They needed to have content to put out there. So they came up with this top 100 list. It's fun. It's by no means scientific or comprehensive. It's Mm -hmm. just they kind of pull a few players, get their votes on it, get their ideas on it, and then they unleash it. And they they implement NFL Films footage, and it's a lot of fun. The original top 100, the idea came from – they did an all-time top 100. Yeah. And so what they did was they they had a particular representative – that would talk about that that player. So, like, mm-hmm. Dan Marino was on the list. His representative was Alex Rodriguez. And Alex was going to be the only person to really talk about Marino. And then they would bring in the NFL film stuff. And so they decided at that point, like you said, with the lockout coming, they got to do something. They've got to have content to fill. And so they came up with the top 100 players. And then they let the players talk about the players, which I thought was a, a grand idea. But it kind of built off of the top 100 which I would be, I'd be fascinated to see them go back and do, and how many of the current players would end up because JJ's would be on that top 100 mm-hmm. now. You know that that would definitely be there. Uh, Brady was already on there. Manning was already on there. Uh, I'm sure there would be some others that you would definitely put on that I list. Bet Von Miller would go in. Von Miller would probably go on there. I would think Luke Keekley would probably get yep. on there. Yep. It would be pretty close, but I think he would be on there as well. Um, they already had Manning and Brady on there. I'm trying to think of the any of the current players. But the point being, Adrian Peterson was probably in there. He was. Peterson was probably in there. So there were some current players, but I'd like to see 
Aaron Donald, a little young, but, man, the way he's tearing up the league. Yeah. Man, you could put him in there. You'd almost absolutely have to put him there. So, but that being said. We're going to go through, and back in 2011, they had four members of the Houston Texans from the 2010 season in the top 100. Let's start first with the guy who was first on the list there at number seven, Andre Johnson. Clocked in at number seven after a 2010 season in which the Texans lost 10 games. But my Andre Johnson moment, it's the first one that comes to mind, and it's probably not yours. It's the moment in the Monday Night Football game against the Ravens here. The amazing comeback catches there. I got that in, and I did that in less than 20 seconds. You go. Uh, I think it's pretty easy for me. It's that Redskins game, that catch that has just been immortalized. Uh, in so many different ways, over Reed Doty. Uh, I think that one just stands out more than anything else. Arian Foster comes in at number 25. Yes. And I would think for me, it's that watching that Colts game, sitting up at the press box that day and watching him dominate that day in 2010 was just amazing. Over 200 yards, just dominated the day against the Colts. Mine comes from that game. It's a specific touchdown, and really it's more of a picture of the touchdown. Him Scissor kicking into the end zone. It was probably the third one, like the exclamation, but 231 yards, three scores. That was a domination in 2010. Vontae Leach, he would wind up signing in the offseason with the Ravens, but in 2010 he was a Texan. He clocked in at 65 on the list, went to the Pro Bowl, had a good year, and I can't tell you a single play of Vontae Leach's that I remember that season, but I do remember Vontae Leach dressing up as Santa Claus on a Friday practice and coming out and uh, having a good time and Leach to the beach. That was the Pro oh. Bowl campaign. That was, well, was going to be remember. mine. When you threw that and in there, that was going to be mine. Sorry. I remember the campaign for the Pro Bowl was Leach to the beach. Number 71 that year, lest we forget, was Mario Williams. And I know Mario – look, we've talked about Mario for a long time. Was he the player that we all expected him to be? You know, he was he, he had periods of being just completely dominant. Here's the thing, though. I don't know that I have any single play or anything like that that stands out to me about Mario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it is it is tough with Mario Williams, but I do have a memory from that season. Three sacks at the Redskins. That's a pretty big day. Everyone oh, remembers, yeah. like you were talking about, the Dre touchdown. But he had three sacks that afternoon. That's my memory of his. So let's move on. To 2012, there were four Texans in the 2011 version, but after 2011, they had the 12, and so there were five Texans. It's the all-time high, and the first guy on the list, who was it, John? Who do you think it was at number 15? Well, it's got to be Andre. And it was. Uh, He was pretty good. You know what what stands out to me, and and this is a a weird one, Mm -hmm. but I remember in the playoff game against the Ravens, the last throw from TJ went his way. I think Texas were down seven, yes. I believe. And they threw that ball, and, and I think Ed Reed came down with the interception. And I just remember it going Andre. And I, I remember thinking, I hate that it ends this way for Andre on this day. But my override, because I just, I, there was just that, man, we got to the playoffs. It's one step. Man, he makes that play. And he really didn't even have a chance to make a play. Yeah. I mean, it was not a great throw. But I just remember just seeing Andre in frustration at that moment, but knowing, oh, they'll be back. Yeah. They're, they're going to be back. They're going to win. This this team could win one. And you gave your best player the chance to win yeah, the game. Yeah, true. My memory of his is against the Falcons here at home. It's the the greatest regular season crowd I've ever seen here. And he yes. had this stretching catch for a big, big first down over the middle deep. That uh, that was one, one of my big memories of that season. At number 25 on the list, 
as he was the year before, was Arian Foster. Now, you got to remember, Arian was in and out of the lineup first half of the season with mm-hmm. hamstring stuff, yep. as was Andre. But Arian Foster, nonetheless, had a really good year. My memory of him, big memory, the Pittsburgh game. He had been out, oh, yeah. comes back, they give him the rock 30 times. He has a big, long touchdown the run. cutback run. Yes, with Troy Polamalu on the ground, looking up, watching Arian's dust. Yeah, that, that cutback run was one of the special ones. Mine was the run in the playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think it was Crocker was the safety for Cincinnati. He was coming from the middle of the field, and he, he basically just, he just – well, there's a word that I would say that I can't say, but he would peace lap him. Yeah. And he just got him turned around. They walked in the end zone, and he just kind of looked at the Bengals like, you trying to stop me? Nah. No I mean, chance. it was just – it was it was just that confidence that he had that was that was pretty amazing, Marion Foster. Brian Cushing was fifty fourth in the two thousand twelve version. He was the team MVP that year, two thousand eleven. And my memory of Cushing, that that overriding memory, was actually Wade Phillips because the week after the Pro Bowl selections were announced, Cushing wasn't on it. And Wade was talking, Wade was talking with the media. Wade finished his time with the media and walked off, and then he stopped, turned around, pointed the media and said Brian Cushing was an unholy terror this year. And basically, Brian Cushing should have been on the Pro Bowl list. Yeah. So Wade was paying a high compliment there. I think one of the things that I remember most about Cushing and 11, was that the I, – I always get my years confused whether it was 11 or 12. When did we have the bloody helmet game? The bloody 11 game. was it? Evel 11. That, that's the memory Browns. I think of Brian Cushing more so than any other was him going back at Sean Louvau with, with – just no helmet and just no regard for his body, which was what Cushing had always been uh, up to that point and through the rest of his career. But I also remember when the when the playoff game was over, I remember CBS had a camera on Cushing and the Ravens players were all walking up to him, like almost shocked with how well the Texans had played that yeah. day. And I just remember Cushing being the one that they were talking to. And I just that memory of seeing him with all the Ravens like, Dude, you guys are really good. I mean, it was, yeah. it was really that, – that was a really uh, kind of cool moment. All right. Jonathan Joseph was 73rd on that list. I remember some plays from that season that didn't count. One of them was a pick six for a score that got pulled back, I think because there was a penalty mm-hmm. on the return. But J. Joe had the ball That's up the in the air. That's what I was thinking of. I think Daniel exactly. Manning had done something like push somebody That's exactly late. the one I was thinking of. He was like the 10 or 15 or 10-yard line. Yeah. He wasn't even close to the end zone. It was already celebrated. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. So then we move on to 2013, looking at the 2012 year, and he had some really high – he had three Texans in the top 14. J.J. Watt was number five, and that was the year J.J. Watt began his comet-like existence because he had the 20 sacks. He had the 20-plus batted passes. But my memory of J.J. that season was at New York, Monday Night Football against the Jets – and just all the plays he's making and all the, the notoriety that he was getting, it seemed like it started to click in at that point. I think the one thing I remember, <laughs> which is, I, this is not, it's not a great memory, but I remember it was the respect with which he had on that Monday night football game against the Patriots. I remember the, the Patriots using a running back to block him, no matter where he was. If he lined up outside and rushed outside, which he didn't do a whole lot then, but if you rushed outside, they used the running back there. If you rushed inside, I remember him one time beating a guard clean, and then he jumped up for a pass, and a running back just hit him right in the stomach. And I thought, everywhere he goes, he's got the utmost respect of Bill Belichick and his Patriots defense, yeah. uh, offense. 
everywhere he goes. And I thought that was that was a telling sign for a guy in only his second year how much how much they were putting the focus on J.J. Watt at that point. Next up was Arian Foster at number eight. And that 2012 season, I remember the, the game on Sunday Night Football, 7-1 Texans, 7-1 Bears yeah. at Soldier Field. Arian scores the lone touchdown for the team. That was mine. That, I remember that. That catch he made over the middle. Uh, not over the middle, but the catch for the score. Um, just diving, laying out for it, and coming down with it. That's what my foster moment is. Yeah, the, the Bears game was the, the first one that came to mind in a 2012 uh, season, uh, just kind of thinking through what are the games of the 2012 season. I mean, Arian was Arian was uh, was just consistently great at that point. But the Bears won diving into the end zone. Seeing that picture um, was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Andre Johnson was 14th. Andre Johnson – for me, that's an easy one. That game against uh, against the Jaguars, Jaguars. here, yeah. overtime, he ends it with a long touchdown catch and run. I I, I got to go with that one. Yeah, I would I would to Dwayne 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 Brown came in at forty eight that year, and you know, look when it comes to Dwayne and and offensive linemen in particular, I don't know if there's ever like this this game that stands out. I think for Dwayne, it was finally getting the recognition he deserved. Because he had been really, really good for a couple of years prior to, so the players finally recognized it by 2013. It's one of the only games that I've ever missed. I was up in uh, Baltimore for my grandmother's funeral back in 2012, week one, but there was a play where Dwayne flipped a Miami Dolphin. It looked like he picked this guy up and <laughs> threw him in the air, and there's a great picture of it, but that's the one I remember, Dwayne Brown flipping a guy, flipping a grown man. 2014, so we're looking back at the 13th season and Ugh. the abysmal disaster that it was. J.J. Watt was still amazing that year, but because the Texans didn't do well, he fell to number 12 on the list. I remember J.J. from that season at Kansas City getting a sack, saluting, and then tipping his cowboy hat, homage to Bum Phillips. You know, he loved J.J. loves Wade Phillips. Wade yep. was a D.C. back then. And Bum had just passed, so that's what I remember about J.J. from that year. Yeah, that's uh, – you know, it's funny. People talk about 2012, 14, 15, because those are the years that he won Defensive Player of the Year. I thought Watt was just as good in 2013. I mm-hmm. thought he was phenomenal uh, in 2013. Andre Johnson comes in at 21 in 2013. I just remember Andre hooking up with Case Keenum or vice versa. Yeah. Case throwing to Andre Johnson. Just – there was something about that that just I, I loved, and, and I felt like the city of Houston loved Case Keenum. Yeah, and so I loved that connection of three Keenum first to half touchdowns. Those two yeah. on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I mean, that game, of course, is memorable for so many uh, unfortunate reasons. But though, but Keenum to Johnson in 2013. That was cool. My Andre moment that year. I remember him first game of the year hurling a charger and scoring what we thought was a touchdown, but he had been like nicked and grazed, and so they count, called him down there in San Diego. Okay, next up, Dwayne Brown at 86. I just remember Dwayne, even though it had been it was a bad year, he was still a pro and still clearing holes and doing a good job keeping the blind side protected for whoever was thrown, whether it was Schaub, whether it was Keenum, whether it was TJ Yates for a little bit. That's kind of my memory overall of Dwayne. Yeah, no question. We get into 2015, which was for the 2014 season, and I've said this on record. It's whether it was on TV or it was live – watching J.J. Watt every single week do the things that he did. Coming up with one memory out of that season is uh, um, almost a, a nightmare. You'd have to almost do a top ten. Mm-hmm. But if there is one that stands out more than anything else, it's 
it's got to be the touchdown catch he had in Cleveland when he went out as a wide receiver. Yeah. When I saw him going out wide, I'm trying to tell Mark, what receiver, what receiver? Like, it was like, wait, what's happening? And then Mallett throws him a fade route, and yep. he catches it. And I thought, this guy can do everything. Well, he my, can do everything. My memory was back in, I guess, week three, maybe, at Oakland. Week maybe two. it was week two. Week two. They hadn't thrown to him yet. You hadn't seen him on offense, and I'm sitting next to Seth Medvin, who's now with the Broncos. Yeah. He's in media relations. I'm up in the press box, and he elbows me, and he says, Watson at, at tight end. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. And then, sure enough, boom, touchdown. So yeah. that was a sign of things. They were going to be a little different in 2014. Arian Foster, it was his last good year. He was number 80 that year. I think that's a little low for what he was able to do. But I remember the touchdown at Jacksonville. He kind of had to weave his way back. It was, a, it was a good run. There's a really cool set of pictures, him yelling up at the crowd. That was a cool one. That's my area in memory. My area in memory in 2014 was at Dallas. Mm. Texans were down in the second half. I think it was 10-3, to 3, if I remember correctly. And they went to the Arian run game. And he hit his own run. He got it down. Um, I can't remember. They got it down inside scoring range. And then he scored a touchdown. Yeah. And Arian came off, and if you remember that game in Dallas. It's a college game, man. It, it was, was like 50-50 yeah. split. And I remember I was standing there, and most of the time the players would come by me, go to the go to the sideline. Arian walked, like, to my right, which is weird because it meant he wasn't going to the, the bench yet. And he walked right over, and he just started screaming, this is our house. This is our house. And I just was like, that's really damn cool. That and the one-handed catch against the Eagles that turned into a touchdown was pretty sweet. In 2016, J.J. Watt came in at number three on the list. He was the Defensive Player of the Year in 15. For that one, it's like another one of, oh, well, what about this, what about that? I remember going up to Buffalo, and then you hear the NFL film stuff afterwards, but I just remember Rex Ryan, the head coach back then of the Bills, Mm -hmm. talking how tough it was to block him and what what were they going to do and all that. And uh, that's just what my my overriding memory of that year is just – the immense amount of respect that J.J. had. You could say the selfie taking, but I won't say that <laughs> of Zach Mettenberger. I think it was against the Saints. If you remember, the Saints scored touchdowns on everybody, uh-huh. and the Saints came in here and got shut the bleep down, and Watt was mic'd up for it. Yep. And that was fantastic to listen to. So, to me, in 2015, it was that game against the Saints, and he was all kinds of dominant in that game. DeAndre Hopkins comes in in 19 that year, and that's easy for me because there were so many different moments in that year for him. But I was standing basically from me to you away when he made the catch against Cincinnati on my night football. One. Yeah. Um, it was just to see him make the catch and then get his feet down, and the, the ref signal his hands up. And there was so much that day in Cincinnati of – Oh, man, the Bengals are 8-0. Can they go to the Super Bowl? I mean, they, they were talking that way. There was, Boomer Sison was in the press box talking about, well, we'll get past this tonight, and then we got this next week. And it was the, the Texans were just fodder, and they played so well. And then he makes that catch, and it was, it was just phenomenal. And then A.J. Green got stripped on that final play. But that catch in 15 for me would be Hopkins. That was a good one. I remember the, the Pro Bowl that year out in Hawaii. I, I got to go. We mic'd up DeAndre Hopkins, and I just remember listening to – to the, the microphone afterwards, mm-hmm. he asks so many questions yeah. of everybody, his teammates, the guys on defense, yeah. with how they were guarding him, the coaches. It was really fascinating seeing that that mind at work, and you see why he's such a good player. So we move on to 2017, looking back at the 16-year. J.J. Watt was 35th. He was the highest-ranked player, even though 
J.J. Watt only played a few games that year, and really the, the memory of that is just him walking off the field at New England, and we didn't know it, but that's the last time we'd see him that year. You know, I actually have one from the game two against the Chiefs. He played great, yeah. He Early in that game, Mitch Morris had a bad snap in that game, and I remember the center. And I remember watching. He had a couple bot shotgun snaps in pregame, and usually I don't pay too much attention to that, but I wrote it down on my notebook. Like, this is weird. And then he had a bad snap, and J.J. beat Alex Smith to the ball, got on the ball. The Texans then scored a touchdown. I think it was DeAndre Hopkins. And would go on and win that game. And I just remember J.J. having a sack and a half in that game and then having that fumble recovery, and that was huge. That just set the tone mm-hmm. because the Chiefs had beaten the Texans twice the year before. So that was what I remember about that year. And then J.D., Jadeveon Clowney, his first appearance, he came in at number 49 after a phenomenal 2016. And the one that I remember more than anything was the playoff game. And Tom Brady went to throw a quick screen, and he barely got the ball off before <laughs> Clowney – nearly tore his body in half. My clowning memory at Indy, the strip sack, yep. Andrew Luck, that changed the game and really kind of changed the season. J.J. Watt, again, this year, a few months ago, checked in on the 18 list at 84. And my memory of J.J., him almost, almost getting that fumble recovery at New England this year. Mm-hmm. He was really good in that game. He had two TFLs to start the game. Basically had a third that was for no gain. He was a monster at New England. We've done the film room with the tackle that was not considered tackle for a loss. That was dominant. I, that would be the on-the-field one. I guess this one was on the field, but technically off the field. When he came out of the tunnel. Oh, yeah, the flag. With the flag after Hurricane Harvey. My, oh, forget it. Just shut it down. I, I was – I thank God we were in a break because there's no way anybody would have gotten through a segment after that. It was pretty amazing. No doubt. Deshaun Watson was 50th on the list this year. For me, it was the first amazing play of many. He had 19 touchdown passes, mm-hmm. but I remember a touchdown run, the one at Cincinnati. Yeah. I'd been lulled into thinking, well, he's going to struggle in this offense. This offense is kind of going to look the way it has in the last few years. And then, boom, from that point on, nothing but highlights. 50-some yards for the score. And two plays earlier, Geno Atkins had nearly knocked his heart through his spine. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, how is he going to get up after this? And got right back up two plays later, took it to the house. And I think that that showed. For me, the I think it was New England. I think it was that first touchdown throw to Bruce Ellington. Mm-hmm. And, and, look, the Seattle game was incredible. But I don't know that we still knew what we had with him. No way. And then he throws that dart for a touchdown to Ellington. It's gorgeous. And I remember thinking, whoa, that was that was nice. And then seeing the replay and seeing what he did on replay and watching at the game and going, wow, he just looked off at an all-pro safety and then threw a dart behind him the other way. Yeah. That's when I started thinking, well, this kid might be special. So that's the one that stands out to me. Even in a losing effort, I think that was the one for Deshaun. That was a good one. Jadeveon Clowney at number 32. Not a tackle, not a sack, but I remember simply – him blasting a guy on the Ravens away from the play that got in his way. I think it was a pulling tight end, and he just knocked this guy into, like, Friday. I think it was, for me, for J.D., it was at Seattle when he used Trey Madden to tackle Eddie Lacy. Now, that's about two hundred. That's about 510 pounds of running back, and he tackled both awesome. using one other dude. Yeah, That was incredible. The other one I would think of was at Baltimore on a Monday night. He had his sack. 
he threw two pass rush moves on two individuals. He beat one guy, the guard, and then with one move, and then he beat the other guy, the center, with another move and sacked Flacco. And I just remember thinking, wow, this guy's come a long, long way. Yes, he has. And you know who else comes a long way is DeAndre Hopkins. And his memory, or my memory of him from this season, the long touchdown at Seattle late could have been, probably should have been the icer, but it wasn't. But he took a screen and took it to the house. And I dismiss anyone who says this guy's not a fast receiver or he doesn't have the speed because he had the speed there. Yeah, I, it's hard not to think of the octo-hop catch against the Steelers mm-hmm. on Christmas Day. That was <laughs> – when I when I think about that catch and having seen it, that would be it. But I think mine would be a conglomeration of all the catches that he made on the sideline where you went, ah, hey, he's out of bounds. Nope. You watch replay and you go, no, nope, caught with him. that. Can't say that. He caught with him. that. I, that this year more than any other, he did that. Now he's masterful on the sideline, but it just felt like this year more than any other, he was that good on the sideline. That wraps it up. These were our snapshot memories of Texans on the top 100 list, and what we remember from that season, they were put on the list. We hope you enjoyed listening to In the Lab. Remember, you can listen to us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or HoustonTexans.com or the Texans mobile app. But if you listen to us on iTunes, Please, go leave us a rating. Go leave some comments even because we want to get better. It helps us out. We want you to love us, but most of all, we want you to listen.